0: Yo, what's up, you guys? Today I have with me Trisha Barker. Trisha is a professor, medium, theta healer, and author of the book Angels in the OR. Her story has been featured on I Survive Beyond and Back, the Dr. Oz Show, National Geographic Magazine, Gaia, and she's also got a YouTube channel covering a wide range of spiritual topics, which is pretty dope. <laughs> Trisha, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much. I'm always excited to talk about near-death experiences and healing.
0: Awesome, 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 all right, we'll jump right into it. So Tricia, if you could tell us a little bit about yourself, like what your life was like before this event happened. And then of course, please share with us your life-changing near-death experience.
1: Yeah, so I teach college age students right now. And so I was a college student when I had my near-death experience. And Honestly, you know, I love learning. You know, there was a part of me that uh, felt happy to be at a university. And and yet at the same time, I had a very high ACE score, which is adverse childhood experiences. So there was a lot of healing that I still had to do. And, you know, talking about mental illness or suicidal idealization was not trendy back then. Like, you know, you just had to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and make it and so there was um and this was the 90s there was a lot of um there was a lot of pain that i was just stuffing down uh, inside myself but i i used this race in austin the austin 10k as this symbol for getting my life back together graduating on track and really kind of making it in the world and i wanted to go into perhaps law maybe editing first then law i i knew that i was going to have an english degree but teaching was not on the radar that was like a last ditch you know like um possibility if everything else failed i didn't look at teaching as something i wanted to do and and that's important because it plays a a factor in the near death experience but on the day of the race I didn't stop for coffee and I always stopped for coffee. That was, you know, it was a night owl. I worked in wait as a waitress in different uh, restaurants and bars. And so the idea of getting up at 6 a.m. for a race was hard. And on the way to the race, I kind of just zoned out for a moment. And I know the first light was was yellow, but the next one was red. And I hit someone and they hit me going really fast. I think they jumped the gun, but Uh oh we hit each other at about 65 miles an hour and i'd never had a major wreck like that i'd been in many fender benders as a kid but my body felt hot immediately and i was leaning over to one side and i couldn't raise myself up And it was terrifying, you know, that feeling of, oh, I'm now dependent on who is going to stop on the side of the road. And actually three people passed us. This was a Sunday. And I saw someone like he looked like he was on his way to church (laughs) and he just drove right by. A group of teenagers screamed because the person in the other car looked pretty bad. They had blood running down from their head because the windshield had broken and they were just standing in the middle of the road. And then I was crunched over to one side. It was, it was rather horrific, but the right person stopped, a nurse stopped, and she knew I was the one that was really hurt. And she jumped in the car, her boyfriend called for the ambulance, had uh, a gas station down the road. And she was like, don't move. You know, your life depends on this, on you not moving, you probably have a back and neck injury. And and i just remember thinking okay i've been trying to control so much in my life and i was agnostic at that time i'd been raised religious and and just saw a lot of uh, problems with people who were religious in my family <laughs> like there was a lot of um oh well, there's a lot of abuse and there was also a lot of um judgment and meanness and scapegoating of people who thought differently and and it didn't seem like a very loving environment. I didn't think that it was any more loving than education. I saw education as this more enlightened route than, than religion at that time. And so I really just got of three religion out. And yet at that moment, I was like, okay, if there is a God. I'm going to need a little help today. This is, this is a bad day. And I just felt this kind of link you know, for just a moment, just tiny, tiny, tiny bit of faith and I saw a bird fly across the sky, and then I was wheeled into emergency surgery. The process took a long time. I'll skip through that. I didn't have health insurance and overheard a surgeon not take my case. He was on the phone with nurses, and I know people like to think that doesn't happen, but it does, and then the surgeon who decided to operate on me wheeled me in. She had to go eat dinner and and take care of herself because she'd been on duty for 40 hours, but when I signed that sheet of paper, there was a seventeen percent chance of death and I remember thinking well that's a little higher than I I thought you know that I guess I had internal injuries and that was actually what happened on the operating table as I technically bled to death but they didn't know how bad the internal injuries are but they knew they had to do emergency surgery on my spine because I had already lost feeling in my left leg so when I went into surgery you know I Ninety nine, ninety eight. 98 then i was under the next thing i knew joshua and this is the coolest part because i just floated up out of my body and i looked down at my body on the operating table and that's all i needed for me to be fully assured that we go on because i felt different outside of my body you know how. Our eyes keep us focused straight ahead. It, I could see behind myself, I could see above myself. And it was kind of like I was above the surgeons looking down at my body. And I could see the top of their heads and their hands. And I thought, huh, oh, surgery is really a lot more bloody than I realized. <laughs> you know, there was blood all over the, the uh sheet. And then I looked up and I saw these light beings, these angels that were working through my surgeons. And I just call them light beings. They were huge and they were made of light and they were androgynous. So they had hair about where my hair is, but kind of wavy. And it was just light. And they were made of kind of this white grayish light. But I knew immediately they were intelligent and they were also healers. And they sent energy healing through their eyes, through the back of the surgeons into my body. And it kind of lit my entire spine up. And I knew that it was communication and healing. And I knew that they were telling the doctors where the bone fragments are, making sure that they were picked out, that I would walk, that I would run, that I would be fine, and that they were in control of this. And then they said something odd. It was like they could slow down communication and they said, Watch this. And as they continued to work on me, the monitor stopped. And I thought, hmm now I'm really, really dead. So that was an out-of-body experience. And now I'm technically dead. And I thought, how are they going to revive me? I don't want to see this. There's already so much blood. And as a spirit form, you can just leave. I left that room. I saw my stepdad get a candy bar and everyone always asked, did you verify this later? I did. I you know, Like he did indeed get this candy bar. And when he got this candy bar he walked into the next room and this i didn't see this but i heard later my mom and dad were praying at that moment because i think biological parents have a link to people in their family and they kind of knew that i was at a dicey part during surgery or they thought i could die and so to me that's the part of the story that touches my heart is that at the very moment i was out of body both of my parents were on their knees praying and as i as i left that hospital room i transitioned into this night sky and then i transitioned into something that looks like the telescope images that we're getting now of all these places in the universe these starscapes that are absolutely amazing and i it was beautiful but in that place i was also being met by this higher intelligence and i call it god but it was just this universal knowing And it was far away at first, but it was coming towards me. There was no fear. I knew everything was fine. It was kind of fun floating in the stars. You know, like you you don't need oxygen. You don't don't fear anything. You're not going to fall. You know, you're just a spirit at this point. And you're discovering what is beyond this life, what is beyond this body. And in this realm, this higher intelligence started showing me parts of my life, kind of like a hologram like if you're watching television and, and you started seeing different parts of your life well i saw different parts of my life and one part only one part that i knew i needed to be better at and that was being a little judgmental or cliquish that's part of generation x you know we if you didn't like the same kind of movies i liked or the same kind of music you know then then in my mind you weren't like me you're cool and so I saw how I was missing out on the hearts of people who are really lovely people and actually prayed for me. And I felt embarrassed that, you know, I I had judged them based on their clothes or their age or anything, you know, that isn't important other than the heart. And I just knew I was connected to people at a heart level and that we all are connected. And I began, um, you know, at different parts in this experience to Feel this oneness with everyone i had known and and it's so hard to describe near-death experiences because everything kind of happens at once you know like you're you're outside of time so there's movements through through the experience but it's also just it unfolds in a certain way and people always say you know how long did it feel like you were over there a week a month i don't know it was two and a half minutes literally <laughs> in time here but it felt eternal that these Moments, these messages, this knowing made so much more sense than being at the body. And it just seemed like home. Every bit of it seemed happy, not terrifying. And so even that, looking at how I was going to be better, was a good thing. The next part of the near-death experience, I transitioned into what I would call like a heavenly landscape. It was beautiful, the grass was very green. Uh, there was almost like this wind that was moving through the grass and it was swaying and the grass looked kind of emerald green. And then my grandfather was there and he's the only person who was dead at that time. And he loved me very much. And he had made an effort to make a connection with me at 10 years old, uh, when he transitioned and he had died of leukemia and he had looked very sickly at his, uh, at the last few days in the hospital, very skinny. And there he was young, like 35. <laughs> and, you know, I recognized his jaw. There's a similarity in the way we look, you know, kind of a square jaw and gray eyes and and lighter hair. And he looked at me like, hey, I know you, kid. And it was just this great love and this great joy of being connected to my grandfather. And And he was someone I trusted. And so in that place, I felt safe, taken care of. But I also got this sense from him, like this was a holding place. Like he knew that my life was kind of in balance at that moment. And either I was going to stay with him and go on to God, or I was going to go back. And so it kind of looked like I was going on to God, you know? So he said, do you want to keep going? And so I was like, yes, I definitely do. And I was flying towards God and feeling everyone's prayers, trying to hold me back in my body. And I felt specific prayers from one aunt who had lost a kid. And now my heart really goes out to people who have lost children, even children who are in their twenties or thirties. She had lost her daughter and she really didn't want my mom to go through that. And so I could feel her prayer I could feel others trying to, mainly for the sake of my mom, you know, don't let Trisha die. And and yet I could feel my mom's prayer, my dad's prayer, my grandmother's prayer for me. And and I just wanted to say, I love you guys, but I'm fine. This is great. You know, like I, I'm about to meet God. I don't care about your prayers. You know, like it, I know that sounds kind of ridiculous, but it was so exciting to be in this presence of something that was so powerful and so beautiful and it felt like all the wounds of my life so things i'd experienced in childhood that were painful things that i had experienced um bullying you know in junior high just little things that we carry like wounds within us they just floated away and i knew i was fine exactly the way i was god loved me god loves everyone this deeply that at our core we're all love And love is the greatest healer of all. And there were certain messages that stayed with me. One is remind them to go to nature. Another is love is all that there is and all that remains. And then, on a personal note, and this could be translated in many different ways, but I struggled with depression. And it was almost like God was showing me from that realm if you stay in motion and you help other people, your life will be full of light. And so I saw that my mission was to go back and teach and not like spiritual teacher at that time, but really teacher to go and work in school systems because I loved education and remind other people to turn on their lights and their lights could be just, excitement about their future, excitement about accomplishment, what gives them joy, but to focus on the joy that they want to create, not the pain, and to really just stay in that that flow of accomplishment and joy and light. And, and then God showed me that darkness was just fear. Now, that know that's very course in miracles, like, <laughs> you know, there's only love and there's only fear that's really the way it felt over there. It gets so much more complicated here. I mean, you know, you look at the horrific things that people do, but according to God, it all originates from fear or insecurity or, you know, mental illness or depression or all kinds of things that separate us from loving ourselves, separate us from that flow of God. And, and, and creator made it look so easy. Like you could just remind people, Hey, connect to the light. <laughs> and and and, and so, you know, I took the mission. <laughs> you know, like, there was, I, at first I balked, you know, like there was, didn't really have a, a choice, but I balked and I was like, no, I don't want to teach. This isn't for me. You know, this is not what I want to do. But when I balked, I felt God kind of throw me back in my body. And that's the best way to describe it, you know, almost as if there was a sense of humor. And Coming back to my body, I knew, you know, in my first moments of consciousness, I knew I'd had a near-death experience. And I also knew there was no turning back. I was going to teach. I mean, like that, if that's the last thing you hear from the creator of all that is, I mean, like, I just knew I had enough common sense to know that if I tried anything else, it would be miserable, it wouldn't work out, you know, things would, things would be not for me, you know, in a sense that um that I'd have trouble if I didn't follow that. And I also was very grateful and happy that no matter what school system I worked in, I did feel supported. It was like my, my footsteps felt lighter. I felt connected to some kind of joy from the other side. I felt connected to angels. I felt like there were specific students who really needed me and really maybe even had a soul contract. Like perhaps they were going to commit suicide and I helped them at some point or You know, I'm not even sure exactly what it was, but I knew that there was was definitely a connection. There's a lot more to it. I'm sure you have questions, but that's the experience
0: in a nutshell. Wow, that's wild. (laughs) Powerful stuff. I appreciate you sharing that, Trisha. You know, the question that comes to my mind is like, um, when you say God, was it something that you sense at that moment like this is god or is it something that you kind of concluded afterwards after your experiences i think that was god or something what was your experience at that moment
1: i called it divine intelligence the most atomic bomb of love what it looked like Mm. was light and so as i was going towards that light it was the light of the universe the intelligence of the universe it's another way i might describe it in the beginning but as i was going toward it it was the deepest, most powerful love I've, I've ever experienced. So it was more than like passionate love. It was more than familiar, like family love. It was, it was the kind of love that made you feel both free and protected and healed. There was such an attraction to it as if it was like it was part of it. It was part of me. There was no face. Like there are some near-death experiencers who see religious figures. I didn't. I did hear you know one message which is slightly reminiscent of jesus which is be like a little child um you know, like that that is reminiscent of um higher knowledge but i i thought it was the best parts of religion kind of condensed into these really simple truths love is all that matters you know have the faith of a little child be like a little child forgive let things go i can't say god because i know people have all these concepts from religion you know right. it, it's more like just love <laughs> and then, so yeah, i have this right. coming up and we're just calling it limitless love you know because right, right. It, it seemed to have no limits you know right, it right. just went on
0: <laughs> yeah sounds good to me <laughs> yeah. so s- speaking of that i mean since you said you grew up in a you grew up in a religious home is that correct so since you didn't see like an actual you know, jesus like uh, some ndeers have experienced. So, how, how did your family respond, or even like your close friends, when you shared this story with them?
1: You know, my family was disappointed that I didn't see Jesus, but the person that was the most open was my grandmother, who was Catholic because she believes in angels. And oh. so, when <laughs> I saw angels, you know, that kind of excited her and she wanted to know more about that and, you know, was curious. And then My mother at first was open because of the moment with the candy bar. You know, like I think she was shocked that I had seen my stepdad bring in this candy bar and she was praying at that moment. Then my stepdad came in and made a joke about the candy bar and and they moved on. But then her church gave her pamphlets that were filled with fear about near death experiencers and how they often commit suicide, they get divorced, they leave their churches. And I was like, well, mom, they leave their churches because their churches are too just And and they get divorced because, you know, Uh, like this one woman (laughs) Baptist minister. And then she, you know, there was probably just a lot of um, conflicts at a philosophical (laughs) level. She probably changed a lot. And I was like, maybe it's a bad thing that she got divorced. And then as far as suicide goes, I, that's a complicated one. There's a lot sure. of things that are healed at an emotional level, and there's a lot of things that are biological. So if you suffer from depression or if you have an, an imbalance, um, you know, there's a lot of things you can do for healing and self-care and getting better, but you still might struggle with that. And and the near-death experiencers sometimes do dislike the pain of this world so much that you know there is this kind of knowing of, well, it's it's certainly wonderful over there. I don't want to keep experiencing all this right. pain. So right. yeah, there's some loneliness for that love that happens. but right. I don't think to judge these experiences as um, as bad in that sense. I mean, I think most near-death experiencers work to prevent suicide, to help people experience more heaven on earth. But many of us do have very unusual perspectives about death like i'm so for euthanasia you know if i am terminal you know and i've said my goodbyes, i see no problem with that you know like there's a lot of um there's a lot of peace with just the dying process and i think people go especially religious people are like it's dark it's scary i'm like no it's wonderful
0: (laughs) 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 and i love the fact that you kept you know emphasizing that there was no fear which is a big deal because that's like the thing people are afraid of especially if you have a religious background. <laughs> you know, you always wonder and question yourself, did I do enough or believe you know the right way, you know, even if you're a Christian, you still ask yourself those kind of questions, you know, cuz I did grow up in a religious home, so even as a person who's like teaching, oh, it's not by works, it's by faith. In a way though, we're still living by a works mentality of did I do enough? Did I did I share the gospel enough? You know, so there was that fear, yeah. right? Um, and yeah, so I, I like the fact that you had no fear in the near-death, you know, during that experience. I mean, I, afterwards, were there any, you know, what we would call like after effects of the near-death experience? Was there something change inside you besides, you know, this, this experience that happened? You know, like anything psychic or abilities? Oh, yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I, <laughs> I,
1: was <so> <laughs> I was so different immediately. And some people aren't aware of it till later. Honestly, I was aware of it as soon as they were giving me ice chips. Like I felt, <laughs> you know, I was coming out of surgery and I felt one with everyone, you know, like I felt <laughs> created outside awesome. of my body, you know, like there was, I understood that I'd had a near death experience because mm. I read about them before and knew someone, um, knew someone who knew someone who had one. Mm. And what she had said, about that guys he came out of the hospital and he was just glowing with light and i i kind of imagined that i was different you know like <laughs> asking people like grabbing nurses hands and going do you believe in god and they were like oh, yes yes i'm like god oh, is a big ball of light that's <laughs> and they're like all right here's some more medicine <laughs> you know so there was this dismissal i think of some of it but I had been, I don't know how to put it, but very contained within my body. You know, like I didn't have a consciousness that really went outside of my body. Maybe Mm. I was sensitive and I could read people, but I didn't merge with them. You know, I didn't have that ability to really feel what they're feeling. But after the experience, I, if someone was in eight feet of me, I could feel what they're feeling. I could get a download of, of a lot of them, and and I didn't know how to control it, so initially that was overwhelming in crowds and uh, on city buses and you know, just yeah. different places. But it was great in the classroom when I was given this ability to help my students and guide them, and and you know having that sense of oneness with them, then I didn't judge them in that that traditional way. I could see, oh, this kid is acting out because he his father is hitting him, and we need mm-hmm. to. You know get cps involved and i need to tell him you know how to stay at work longer and take care of himself and plan for his future and and really take himself seriously so i'd get these you know moments of deep understanding nice. of people's brains the psychic flashes were honestly a little weird like i didn't understand it but the cool thing that i could do at this time we didn't have you know apple music and all that i knew what song was playing on the radio at what time so i could flip to the dial and yeah. i'd have it in my head and i'd sing it ahead of time and i'd be right on the verse you know like wow. you know, nice. get to that station so okay. it was almost like I'm picking up on radio frequencies um there were a couple of times that little things to keep me safe like a fan fell from the ceiling and i knew to move out of the way you know right at that moment and just kind of saw it happen ahead of time and they were Little things that made me feel like I was outside of time. Um, and then there were out of body experiences that were trauma induced, not necessarily, you know, there were some that were in meditation and then there were some that were trauma. So, like if I saw the television and there was an ambulance, then suddenly I'm like outside of my body scared for a moment. <laughs> wow. <you know? laughs> I didn't know.
0: Okay. Wow.
1: And then if I laid in bed, and I did lay in bed a lot, you know, it was in a body cast and recovering from this surgery. I knew how to lucid dream. I taught myself how to leave my body, how to continue awesome. to work with angels and and awesome. really just how to commune with that experience. I felt felt like I had one foot here and one foot over there. And then some nights kind of two feet over there because the body <laughs> was final. <laughs> you know, and I was coming back to it going, Am I alive? Am I dead? Do I really want to go back to the body? <laughs> and uh. then it was was a little confusing at times, but it was also exciting because I felt like I was a kid again, like I was healing all these wounds. And also at that time there was a lot of binge drinking and drug experimentation in college. And so just that year to recover with my body, eat really good food, get sober, think about you know all these things really helped me. And I, I mean sobriety, full sobriety didn't come till later, but but I've certainly had that year, which was great. A lot of near-death experiencers have a heart attack and then they're just like right back at job their job, you know, yeah. like a week. But I had a full year to read books, study, spirituality, practice meditation. And I was all in, you know, when I went back to Austin. I, I got certified in transcendental meditation, went to Buddhist temples. And really the people that I connected with most were meditators because there wasn't that spiritual ego that was just hey we're here to have a spiritual experience together so that was wow. that was a huge part of my early part of my near-death experience was just ah, awesome.
0: from what i saw in your your biography so you're also into healing as well right um is that yeah. something that was triggered because of the near death or was it was healing always a part of your life like even if it wasn't like theta
1: yeah. So, you know, my body had a lot of pain because I was fused right. and I had, I
0: had rods in my back after
1: the accident. And luckily I was young. So from about, um, you know, the time of the accident, 20 to about 40, I was pretty fine. You know, like I was mm. still a runner and I just didn't lift heavy things. But in my forties, I began to experience some deep pain, you know, in my neck mm. and back and just, we're also sedentary with the computer. So that was hitting me a little harder than other people. And so I went on this healing journey and I was, I was open to every type of healing modality. And I really, I would have loved to have had a TV show and just like try out healing modality <laughs> around the world. <laughs> it's kind of what I did on my own. A awesome. <laughs> awesome. lot of my money went into experimenting you know is it sacred places on the planet is it sacred buildings is it sacred healers you know what did the what what did my mind believe what what affected my body the most and and everyone's healing journey is different and that's what I remind people but getting to the root cause of something is important you know obviously western medicine kind of does people a disservice by just covering up symptoms Mm -hmm. instead of really creating healing. And so for me, yes, yoga and, and infrared saunas help, you know, they help maintain a healthier body and, and a very good diet, you know, a healing diet, mostly focused on, Vegetables and and uh, fruits, you know, people can have variations of this, and I don't judge, but I'm just saying, you know, like in general, go for the basics that aren't processed, and and if you include meat, you know, make sure it doesn't have hormones, and you know, just you know, all of those those basic things. Um, but oddly, what what triggered a deep deep healing was a cathedral, um, in Santa Fe, and i felt the presence of of jesus and it didn't convert me you know to this you know this christian um it really just made me look at jesus as an actual healer as someone who walked the earth as this spiritual force that was a force of healing for people and it also helped me heal some of the wounds with people in my life who mm-hmm. I grew up with who um, had harmed me but called themselves Christian. And so, mm-hmm. you know, there was this this deep, like, emotional, spiritual healing that began first, and then it translated into physical healing through energy modalities and all kind mm-hmm. of different modalities, but also nuka chiropractic. So mm-hmm. I learned a lot about healing, but... <laughs> you know, I I kind of knew it. and I knew that our energy body or our spirit body is affected by trauma by other people. Like I could see it energetically. And that was kind of different after the near death experience. It's just being able to see things, you know, like when someone had experienced a, a deep trauma that took away their power, I could see it in their solar plexus. I could see it in my own. And I knew that That it takes realistic work you know sometimes psychotherapy sometimes self-defense courses sometimes you know martial arts training or a a yoga training you know to really realign the body but also to emotionally heal and then physically heal that that sometimes it happens very quickly you know like there is instant healing at times because maybe everything's just ready and poised for it Mm. but most of the time healing takes time
0: Cool. So I mean, with, with the story that you were sharing, um, like when you were in the hospital room, you were mentioning that those light beings were like, watch this, <laughs> you know, they were doing, they were like, you know, <laughs> shooting energy. I mean, is that is that something that you you've incorporated in your healing modality when you do sessions or or no?
1: Yeah, I always ask, you know, I asked in the classroom as much as in my healing modalities. I try to connect other people to their own connection, to their angels and and their guides. And that's part of what I do, but I certainly ask for that help as as well. But, you know, there have been moments when I've taught my students, uh, my college students to meditate. And one semester I just saw, like as we were meditating, I was sending and asking the angels to send light to my students. And I saw one student's soul just being held by, her angels. And Mm. I had to ask her, you know, what was going on in her life at that moment. And she had a terminal disease. And so I saw like this deep sorrow. She didn't want to die young. And, you know, there was, her soul was just crying inside. And so, yeah, it was, it was interesting, you know, to commune with her and just be given that information ahead of
0: time. So it was kind of beautiful that she was held. So the angel's like, watch this, give a big nice hug.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's like we're we're
0: that, you know? yeah. so I mean, obviously in your story, your experience, you you found your purpose. You were kind of led in a different direction than what you originally planned and you became a teacher. You kind of had that catalyst, you know, this experience that kind of led you, you know, down that path. But how can someone who hasn't had a near death experience find a, you know, purpose in their lives? Because I think a lot of people do with that, right? Young and old. Yeah, yeah,
1: you're right. It's a common question. And first, I would say be open to that love from God first, just work on accepting that love from God and loving yourself. And then, you know, so often we beat ourselves up, or we tell ourselves we haven't done enough, then just make the effort to do something that gives you joy that also helps others. And it can be in, in, so many different realms i mean some people like to knit and they want to teach others how to you know yeah. knit something people love to paint and maybe they can't make a living doing that but maybe they can teach art classes and you know have art parties and um i think when there's too much of a focus on the self you know me 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 there's going to be greater depression when you mm. get an action and you're sharing your gifts with others or you're helping others in some way there does seem to be that, that flow from the heavens, uh, you yeah. know, and even, even I'm sure, you know, like creating a video when it really connects with others and helps them, it's more exciting than when, you know, you're yeah. like, Oh, what did I do here? You know, like, <laughs> yes. you know, like <laughs> so in everything, there's always that, um, wow other people enjoyed this i'm so glad you know like when we're able to share even a meal with someone so i think our purpose is to love others i think the most misunderstood thing about near-death experiences is is people hear those words love is all that matters and all that we take with us and then they go nobody loves me and i'm Mm. like well get out there and love that tree you know Mm. adopt an animal love that animal love your walk today you know you yeah. just be love. you be you and you be love even if other people aren't open to it even if they think you're weird you know even yeah, i mean don't get fired or anything you know, <laughs> don't people too much but uh, but but you know be loving you know yeah. is the point point. and all the ways that you're loving even if other people aren't that's what you get to take with you to the other side mm. and those are the people who i think are beautiful whether they're religious or not but certainly people who are religious and really make an effort to love others pray for others be there for others i mean that's that's beautiful i mean that's that's yeah. the the heart of what is is true about being human is loving others
0: yeah love is all that matters there you go yeah. when it comes to like the life review Right. So let's just because I'm sure there's there's going to be some people watching this that have a religious background or they grew up in a church and, you know, they're just familiar with these teachings that that I've been taught as well about like judgment, you know. So what is the purpose for the life review then? I mean, should we be afraid of like a judgment in the end from from quote unquote God? Oh, yeah, I can talk mostly to my own, which was a brief
1: glimpse, which was to reorient me to be less judgmental to really the way God looks at the heart of people, not how they look on the outside or how they appear to others, but you know, what is their heart? What is their intent? Who, who are they? I was meant to look for that instead of judging the outward appearances of people, which is a very young, you know, silly thing to do (laughs) at that time (laughs) in my life, Um, you know, but Other people, of course, want to know what about really horrific people who've done terrible Mm. things? What are their life reviews like? I've interviewed some people who've had a hellish experience and then they've also gone to heaven. And I asked one of them, Howard Storm, uh, said, well, do you think you, your soul, had to have that experience in order to change? And he said, yes. And so perhaps we get what we think we're going to need or you know perhaps there's some participation our own soul with this he was rescued from hell you know he called out for help Um, so I think there's a even over there there's always an instance to still be redeemed and be able to Mm. find that light and find that that love and that wholeness but the way I see it and I am a medium is you know sometimes people who've been really cruel and awful to others it's not like purgatory but their life review once they die is extended so they really have to see everyone that they've harmed and the legacy it causes through generations and the lives that it touches and it's almost like they have to a piece of them has to live through that and see what it causes and how it could have been different and it's not for the sake of torture though it's really for the sake of and. In- instruction, you know, like this is what your soul did, and this is the effect it had, and here's how it could have been different. And here's all the other alternative realities that could have been created, you know, but that were not created. And just observe it. Almost like you're watching a television show, you know, and that disconnect, I think, is what people have a hard time feeling. They want people to suffer, you know, but God isn't like that. It's like you're done with the body. You didn't have all the intelligence now that you have over here. So here's all the intelligence. What would you have done differently? And I think most people at their core are horrified by the things that they've done that are bad once they're connected to a higher intelligence and they want to be different you know they mm-hmm. there's the soul wants to have lived out a different existence and and they can't believe they forgot what they forgot and you know i believe that forgiveness is is possible but in eternity you have a long time to be reeducated <laughs> you know you know there's, yeah. there's you know so i think people need to not look at it as so black and white and just realize that when you're no longer in the body you don't have that survival instinct you don't have that revenge instinct you it's it's a lot more kind of
0: uh,
1: i don't know how to put it into words but it's just a lot more distant from this existence and yeah. a, a lot more supported by love because how many right. people who are unloving to others hated themselves
0: you know Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. You explained it well. (laughs) You know, just yeah. I mean, because for me, some some people I think can go to the extreme and say it doesn't really matter what we do because it's all lovey-dovey, right? And then there's the other extreme where it's just no, it's hell. (laughs) You know, or if you don't believe a certain way or you do an evil thing, you'll be suffering in hell uh, for all eternity. (laughs) You know, not just for millions of years, but for all eternity. But then I think what you and I share on our channel and in your interviews is what we do here matters. You know, but there's always gonna be love and support on the other side, but what we do still matters and it did matter and affected other people. And we're gonna in a way have to deal with that, you know, some sort of redemptive way though. And I and I think that's important for like my kind of viewers, you know, people who've been following my work since like my religious days is there's still hope (laughs) there's still hope because, you know, a lot of people think it's like that black and white thing. like, once you're, once you cross over that's it, there's no like heaven and go to hell or hell and go to, it's just like, once you're in one place, you're, you're stuck there forever. So I think what you're sharing is very uh, hopeful and um, important for people to at least consider whether or not it's true, who knows, right? I mean, that's something that they'll eventually have to, you know, determine on their own, but I'm sure that like your whole, experience was like powerful. But what do you think affected you the most in that experience that you think about? Probably, I guess often, or,
1: you know, the angels were right there. They were the first thing that I saw that was otherworldly. That was uh, something beyond this world. And it seemed to me as if we all have angels with us, you know, since birth, you know, that are there with us. And there's so much more magic than we realize. So people get very caught up in their day-to-day life, looking at their phone as soon as they grab into work, getting their coffee, and they forget that there's angels beside them, that everybody has angels, that sometimes there's some ghosts that need to you know, like transfer on, that we need to help, that there's so much going on at this metaphysical level, at the spiritual level, that this is really a pretty magical journey and that it can be... Whole lot more magical when we are in touch with the spirit world. And also, the deepest healing that I've had is when I have called on call it God or just call it that unconditional love. Like, say there's a problem that's too big for me, I'll take a walk in nature because one of the messages was remind them to go to nature. And I'll just Mm -hmm. say, God, I can't figure this one out. So I'm going to give it to you. And then I'll just take a walk. And sometimes, everything will just work out, you know, I'll get a phone call, you know, things will work out better than if I pushed or I tried, or I tried to make something happen with my own sense of control. So I believe that in this sense of faith and good energy, and if you t- switch your own energy, then sometimes wonderful things uh, filter into this life. So I would say I try very
0: hard to bring moments of heaven and healing just to my own life and to this world. That's awesome. know, as we come to an end, I mean, you kind of answered the question already in a way, but I'll ask it anyways, in a different way. But like what what message or advice would you want to just share with our viewers? Just anything that's been on your heart lately, other than what you just shared. (laughs) But if there's anything, even as like, you kind of mentioned those who have dealt with like trauma, or those who've been feeling, you know, hopeless or struggling with depression? Is there anything that you can share for some encouragement to our viewers?
1: Oh yeah, definitely. You know, anxiety is such a big problem with the youth and and with the college students that I work with. And and of course, suicidal idealization is on the rise. So I always tell people you're so much more loved than you realize first by this energetic power. But if you feel like you're about to take your life, please tell everyone you know. Tell your teachers tell your aunts and uncles. And even if some people aren't helpful, um, I bet you a neighbor or a teacher or just an acquaintance is going to care. You know, like you'll be surprised who cares and who is really there to help you get the support you need. That when we reach out for support, sometimes the people we want it to be from, you know, a parent or a boyfriend, girlfriend, maybe they're not the ones that are going to help you, but it It might be a coworker, it might be an aunt. And don't ever think that you're not loved and you're not cared for because you are. And don't uh don't give up too soon because the miracle and the healing is often right after it gets darkest. That Mm -hmm. that's when that breakthrough comes. So um, one of my big missions is for people not to commit suicide and
0: to really just have an awakening. Beautiful message. You are loved. We're all loved so what's next for you you know i know you're already in several books are you writing another book or any other projects or speaking engagement what's next uh, you know i'm
1: i'm so encouraged that so many college students are open uh to meditation and these ideas so certainly bringing more of this information to college populations is important and i i am working on a book for college populations really just to bring some of this knowledge you know, to them. And I'm also awesome. working on a young adult novel, but these things take time, you know, yeah, so, so who cool, knows? So
0: cool. So what's the best way for people to reach you online? Like, what's your website?
1: Yeah, so I have a contact page on my website, which is just Trisha Barker, T-R-I-C-I-A Barker, B-A-R-K-E-R-N-D-E for neardeathexperience.com. And if you go to the contacts, you can find me there. And I do offer readings and uh, writing workshops and other things.
0: Cool. So I'll be sure to have that in the show notes. So, you know, Trisha, I want to say thank you to you for doing this on short notice. And when I saw your story online, I was like, I got to have her on, dude. That's a dope story. (laughs) You know, so powerful with such a beautiful message. You have a beautiful heart. And I thank you for your, your transparency and your honesty, you know, just sharing how you used to be when you were younger and how much, you know, so much has changed in your life. And I want to let you know that you just watching your videos, you know, in preparation for this interview uh, you're, you're reaching so many people I could just see your heart in the things that you're saying and I just want to encourage you to keep going and um, it's reaching more people than you realize which is pretty amazing all right? so Trisha, thanks so much for being on the show
1: thank you Joshua have a great day
0: thank you thank you all righty guys so once again thanks for watching till next time we're out peace